0: Thank you for listening to a Christ-centered message from Grace Community Church. We are committed to proclaiming the authority of God's word without apology and trust that you will receive encouragement as we study today's passage together. Okay, anyways, uh, I just wanted to begin with... uh a psalm, just as we were worshiping, I was reminded of this, came up in my Bible reading this morning, Uh, give thanks to the God of heaven, for his steadfast love endures forever. And as a church, that's what we are doing this morning. We uh, will give thanks to the God of heaven, and we do so in worship, because his love endures forever. Uh, We are, one of our five distinctives here at Grace is passionate worship. We want to lift high the name of Jesus in spirit and in truth. And one of the just ways that we go about that is through worship. We we are Christ-centered in our worship in what we sing, how we pray, how we consider God's word. And Exodus chapter 10, what we'll see here, is an, an Old Testament example of this kind of worship, this kind of passionate worship. And it's going to fit in uh, the guys we were praying in the room uh, before the service started and 940-ish uh, as guys get there. And this for anybody can come and pray. Guys, ladies, uh, we'll make room in there if you come and pray. But I just shared with the guys, you know, we were praying, and it, what they were praying fit exactly with the message. Um, that we are going to worship, and we want to worship in a way that is Christ-centered, that is worship for all ages, and in, a, in a, a way that is reviving our hearts, week by week, we're growing in joyful obedience to the Lord. That's what revival is, just conforming in joyful obedience to the Lord. And that's what we're going to see, I believe, in this text, Exodus 10. Um, so here's a little background to the book of Exodus. Exodus is the second book of the Bible, and it's one of the first five books, uh, in the, it's called the Pentateuch, the first five And they were recorded by Moses. The overall theme, if you could summarize in a sentence, the theme of the book of Exodus is that the Lord is a redeeming God and he's worthy of all worship. And we see that the the first half of the book is God redeeming, rescuing his people from Egypt. And then the second half of the book is God is prescribing how how to rightly worship him. Uh, Redemption is the overall theme. The Lord is God, and there is none like him. God will not be in second place. And this God, the God of the Bible, wants all peoples to know him and to worship him alone. And spoiler alert, that's where our greatest joy is. That's where the greatest blessing is, to rightly know, love, and obey this God. So the book of Exodus picks up right where Genesis leaves off. Uh, we've talked about from time to time uh, Joseph, and, and we love that, that account from Joseph. Uh, he goes, he was sold into slavery by his brothers, and there ended up being a famine across the region. And then Joseph and his brothers ended up coming to Egypt because to, Joseph was placed there beforehand by God to preserve people, the people, and to provide food for them. It was all part of God's sovereign plan. Joseph, yeah, he was sold into slavery, um, but he was sent to Egypt and ended up securing land and food for them. And this is what Joseph says in, in Genesis, Genesis 50, verse 20, as for you, talking to his brothers, you meant evil against me, that is being sold into slavery, but God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. That's how the Genesis closes with the people of Israel. They're there. They're in Egypt. Things are going well. They have food. They have land. And God is providing for them. They're growing. They're multiplying. Exodus begins. New Pharaoh comes to power. Comes up in the, the, the rain. And he, the text says he, he forgot Joseph. Didn't remember how Joseph had helped the people. And he looked on the Israelites as a threat. Not a blessing, a threat. And he's seeing the people grow, they're, they're having lots of babies, and their people are multiplying, and Pharaoh didn't like that. So he commands the, the people uh, to take the Israelite babies and throw them in the Nile River. Get, you know, genocide. But God, in his providence, raises up Moses. Preserves his life. Moses is put in a basket, put in the river, found by Pharaoh's daughter. He's raised up in Pharaoh's household. And then Moses thinks one day, I'm going to save my people. And he gets into a little scuffle with one of the Egyptian guards, and police go after him if they had police in, in the day. And he runs. He, he runs out of town, he's out of there, and he goes to the land of Midian. And then a new Pharaoh comes to power after that, and then the Lord seeks out Moses. He's wandering, he's shepherding in the land of Midian, and he sees a burning bush in the wilderness. And Moses goes to the burning bush, and it's, it's really the, the presence of the Lord there, the glory of the Lord. And the Lord calls Moses out of the burning bush and commands him to go, be my messenger for my people and deliver them, bring my people out that they may worship me, the Lord says. So God sends Moses to speak with Pharaoh, calls him, release my people, let my people go that they may serve me, that they may worship me. But each time, Moses appears before Pharaoh. Pharaoh rejects the word of the Lord, and God sends a plague against Egypt. There were ten plagues in total that were carried out in Egypt. There was the Nile was turned to blood. There was frogs, gnats, flies, livestock are put to death, boils, hail. And where our text is, Exodus 10, we're coming up in the plague of locusts. There was darkness and eventually the death of the firstborn. Now each one of these plagues demonstrate God's great power over creation and how the Lord is greater than the false gods that the people of Egypt worshipped. This, this our, our text is settled right in this account of the eighth plague. But we're going to be focusing on how does God prepare a people for revival? How does God prepare his people for a great work of redemption? Because in in this text, the people of Israel had not yet gone on their exodus. They'd not yet been delivered out of Egypt. They're still in this this waiting moment. They have some more plagues that are going to be experienced. So this morning, I want us to see God preparing a people for revival and what that might look like for our lives today. This is true for us individually and in our community, our families, as a church, What does this look like for us to experience a a great working of God, a great revival of of God? And that's, that's the proposition, that's the aim for this morning's message. How does God prepare a people for revival? And if you've been here for any length of time at all, even if you're here just for the first time, I believe we can sense this as a church, that we are experiencing God working in us and through us and among us. Like in these past days and months and years, God is working, and we praise him for all the ways he's working in us. And so this is just really an Old Testament example of what does this look like? How is God working in our lives? And we want more of that. We want more of enjoying God and obeying God as individuals and as families and as a church. So this that's the aim for this message. A people that God is preparing for revival will be a people, and we're going to see that Play out In three ways. The first way that God will prepare people for revival is, number one, they will be a people ready to obey the word of the Lord. Ready to obey the word of the Lord. And we're going to do a little bit of jumping around in Exodus, but we'll see. this. So I'm going to begin just by reading the first 11 verses of Exodus 10, just to help set some context. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go into Pharaoh, for I have hardened his heart and the heart of his servants, that I may show these signs of mine among them, and that you may tell in the hearing of your son and your grandson how I have dealt harshly with the Egyptians, and what signs I have done among them, this is a common phrase in the book of Exodus, that you may know that I am the Lord. Verse 3, So Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and said to him, Thus says the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, how long will you refuse to humble yourself before me? Let my people go that they may serve me. For if you refuse to let my people go, before behold, tomorrow I will bring locusts into your country. They shall cover the face of the land, so that no one can see the land. And they shall eat what is left to you after the hail, and they shall eat every tree of yours that grows in the field. They shall fill your houses and the houses of your servants and of all the Egyptians as neither your father nor your grandfathers have seen from the day they came on the earth to this day. And he turned and went out from Pharaoh. Verse 7, this is where we're going to really be focusing in. Then Pharaoh's servants said to him, How long shall this man be a snare to us? Let the men go that they may serve the Lord their God. Do you not yet understand that Egypt is ruined? Verse 8, so Moses and Aaron were brought back to Pharaoh. And he said to them, Go, serve the Lord your God. But which ones are to go? Moses said, verse 9, We will go with our young and our old. We will go with our sons and our daughters and with our flocks and our herds, for we must hold a feast to the Lord. But he said to them, The Lord be with you if I ever let you and your little ones go. Look, you have some evil purpose in mind. No, go the men among you and serve the Lord, for that's what you are asking. They were driven out from Pharaoh's presence. This is the word of the Lord. So, as God is preparing a people for revival, we see first that there will be a people ready to obey the word of the Lord. Letter A, Moses learned faithfulness to the Lord. Moses had to learn this kind of obedience to the Lord, this faithfulness. Back in, in Exodus 3, you don't have to turn there, um, the Lord appeared to Moses in the burning bush. He called Moses to be his messenger. The Lord commanded Moses to go before Pharaoh and to lead his people out of Egypt to go into the place where they are to worship him. But at first, Moses didn't want to go. Moses came up with excuses. I'm not that great of a speaker. Send my brother, or just send at this point, send anybody. Uh, I don't really, I'm not comfortable doing that. And this is this is Exodus 3, and God is revealing this plan to Moses where he says. I'm going to send you to Pharaoh and you're going to deliver this message, but Pharaoh's heart will be hardened and it's going to require great signs to be worked and wondrous works that I will do in the land of Egypt and afterwards he will let you go. And I will send you out, not empty handed, but your women and children will go. I will bless them with gold and silver and clothing and and these great signs he will do. So Moses had to learn to trust and obey and eventually he goes and after this, this back and forth conversation with the Lord and the Lord is faithful and he's gracious and he says, all right, go ahead, send Aaron and you guys go together. And, but he's sent, they are sent out and Moses goes. He learns faithfulness to the Lord. But letter B, Pharaoh rejected God's word. Moses' very first encounter with Pharaoh did not go well, and really none of his encounters go well with Pharaoh. The the very first time that Moses goes before Pharaoh, this is what he says, Exodus 5. Moses and Aaron went and said to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. This is key, verse 2. Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord, that I should obey his voice? and let Israel go. I do not know the Lord, and moreover, I will not let Israel go. And then they said, the God of the, this is Moses and Aaron, they said, the God of the Hebrews has met with us. Please let us go a three days journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God, lest he fall upon us with pestilence or sword. But the king of Egypt said to them, Moses and Aaron, why do you take the people away from their work? Get back to your burdens. So there's this contrast. Moses, it took him some time to get to the point of, all right, am I going to obey God's word? And he does so. He's humble. Pharaoh rejects God's word. And we see this in Exodus 5 2. On the one hand, there is, there's one thing to be ignorant, who is the Lord, that I should obey his voice. And there's another to be stubborn, willfully rejecting. And that he ends up saying it, Pharaoh, said, who is the Lord, that I should obey him and let Israel go, I don't know the Lord, and moreover, I will not. And perhaps that's you this morning, and as we open God's word, I want everyone to know the Lord, I want everyone to know the word of the Lord, that we know the way we ought to go, that we know the way we ought to live and worship and obey him. That's God's best for us. He gives it to us in his word. Pharaoh rejected God's word, and I, I don't want anyone to reject God's word. This is, That's not going to be best for us. But revival will happen when we are humbly ready to submit ourselves under God's word and to do what he has said. Pharaoh rejected God's word because he rejected God. You cannot separate God from his word. God is our creator and he is holy. He has graciously chosen to reveal himself to us in creation. That's general revelation to all peoples. And God has also revealed himself to us in his word, his special revelation. And he has ultimately revealed himself in his son, Jesus Christ. His, the person and work of Jesus Christ, this God the Son. You see, God has spoken and he's given us his word for us to live by. God has given us his word that we should know how to live in God's world. He's the creator. How are we going to operate best in his world, well, God shows us how to do that. And he also shows us how to worship him. Another form of rejecting God's word, though, comes through compromise. And this is back in our text in Exodus 10. Because Pharaoh, he, he offers this proposition, this little deal. Let me work a deal with Moses and Aaron. How about just the men go? Is that okay? Well, can, we, can we work with that? And that's verse 8. Go serve the Lord, but which ones? That's verses 10 and 11. The Lord be with you. He's saying, it's going to take God if I ever let you and your little ones go. You have some evil purpose in mind. Only the men will go. And that's, that's compromise. Pharaoh proposes only the Israelite men are to go that they need to worship. But that's not what the Lord has said. The Lord called all, all of the people of Israel to go and worship. And he calls us today, all peoples, to worship him and obey him compromise is just, is still rejecting God's word. The Lord was clear and so was Moses. Ultimately, what I want us to know is that there's blessing in walking in faithful obedience to the Lord and his word. Here's some examples from Psalm 119. Psalm 119, verse 33, Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes, and I will keep it to the end. Give me understanding that I may keep your law and observe it with my whole heart. Lead me in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. Uh, Psalm 119, 71. It was good for me that I was afflicted, that I might learn your statutes. The law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of gold and silver pieces. Do we consider God's word that way? I want to. It It is greater riches than gold and silver to have God's word in our mouth and in our heart. Uh, Psalm 119.88, In your steadfast love, give me life, that I may keep the testimonies of your mouth, that we may obey him. Psalm 119.103, How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through your precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. This is how God considers his word, and this is why I would say this morning it is a blessing for us to take God's word and be ready to obey it. That's how God works in our hearts, through his word. Psalm 119, verse 160, the sum of your word is truth, and every one of your righteous rules endures forever. God's word will never fail, because God will never fail And one last, I I just couldn't narrow it down. I I picked like six of these. I I couldn't just... Okay, Uh, Psalm 119, 166. I hope for your salvation, O Lord, and I do your commandments. My soul keeps your testimonies. I love them exceedingly. I keep your precepts and testimonies, for all my ways are before you. Summary, there's blessing to be found in walking in obedience to God's word. And that's one of the ways that God prepares us for revival through obedience to his word. Secondly, number two, God prepares the people for revival by by causing them to be responsive to spiritual leadership. Responsive to spiritual leadership. Letter A, Moses had to learn to lead. Moses replies to Pharaoh's rejection and compromise, uh, this is back in chapter 10, by saying, We will go. He's taking the lead there, and Moses was set apart in in Israel's day to be this this called-out leader prophet, called out by God to deliver his word and to lead the people. When the culture says to compromise, may God help us to stand firm on the word of God and say, we will worship the Lord. That's the title of the message. We're going to worship Moses prepared the way. So not only did Moses have to learn to lead and to lead the people, and he, he sets the tone there for on behalf of the whole people of Israel when he says to Pharaoh, we will go and we will worship. But Moses also prepared in advance, uh, for preparing for Christ to come. Ultimately, that's what Moses says. He says it in Deuteronomy, and he says it in Acts 3. He says that Behold, a day is coming when a, another prophet will come and be from among your brothers, and I want you to listen to him. And he's, he's uh, seeing, he's prophesying that Christ will one day come and Christ fulfills that, that promise. And that's what Peter says in Acts 3. Repent, therefore, and turn back, that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Doesn't that sound like Revival. Times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. It comes with re- repentance. That he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time of restoring all things about which God has spoken by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. Verse 22, Moses said, The Lord will, ra- the Lord will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. You shall listen to him, whatever he tells you. And that's Christ. That's, that was predicting Christ's coming. Moses learned to lead, and he was preparing for us. Christ is the head of the church, and we ultimately must follow him. Christ is our, our head today. We, will we be responsive to Christ and to his leadership in our lives? That's what, that's what we say when we say, uh, Romans 10, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. Or Peter says in 1 Peter, Sanctify the Lord in your heart. That's, that's that same idea of Christ is our leader, our head, and we must follow him. Will we, will we be responsive to spiritual leadership? Ultimately, first to Christ. Letter B, Israel learned to follow. When Moses says we will go, he's speaking on behalf of the people that they will come and worship with him. The Lord had to lead, uh, lead, through Moses, the people out of Egypt, through Exodus. When, when, the Lord, when Moses first goes before the people and before Pharaoh, and Pharaoh is so against what Moses says, he takes away the people's straw. He, he has them making bricks. And Pharaoh's so upset with Moses going and asking that the people may go, He says, nope, we're not going to provide straw for you anymore. You get your own straw. And the very same people that were rejoicing when they heard Moses come and say, we're we're going to be delivered and go worship in Exodus 3. By chapter 5, they are complaining with Moses, hey, you made us stink in the eyes of Pharaoh. What's the big idea? I thought you were going to lead us on Exodus. So even Israel was a little wishy-washy at times. But they ultimately had to learn to follow For us today, God has given spiritual leadership to his church. Christ is the head of the church, and we are all to submit to him. Jesus sets the mission for the church, the doctrine for the church, the practice for the church. And God also gives leaders to the church, pastor elders. We could call them under-shepherds. Christ is the chief shepherd, that's Hebrews 13, and all other pastor elders are under-shepherds. They're under Christ that's Hebrews 13, 17. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. One of the ways that God prepares a people for revival is by causing them to be obedient to spiritual leadership. That's both to Christ and to the, the local leaders that's why God gives pastor elders to the church to be a blessing to us, the congregation, and a blessing to them that they would serve with joy. The leaders that God has given us are for our good, and God intends for us as a church to follow them. It's for our good. Let us see, in this in thinking about spiritual leadership, being responsive to spiritual leadership, let us see Pharaoh refused to submit to the Lord. Pharaoh's answer to Moses and Aaron was to accuse them of acting wickedly and to throw them out of his presence. And this is, this is one of the ways that comes up in this Exodus account is we read it even in the earlier part of chapter 10 saying that Pharaoh's heart was hardened. And throughout the story of Exodus, this phrase is a recurring phrase. Either Pharaoh's heart was hardened or sometimes the, the wording would say the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart. And It's interesting that when you get into the Hebrew, which I'm I'm sure all of you want to get into the Hebrew of Exodus 10, it's incredible. Let me summarize it for you, though, uh, in case you don't have time to get into that today. There's two different Hebrew words that are being used here. Some of the times that what what we read in our New Testament is the, the hardening of Pharaoh's heart, when the text says Pharaoh's heart was hardened, the, the root word is actually a, a heaviness of heart, heavy. And this is, this is demonstrating, this is showing for us that um, this is a heart that is s- slow to obey. It's like ingrained. Uh, it's heavy. It's weighed, weighed down. It's not easily moved. To say that Pharaoh's heart was heavy is to show that he's ingrained in his rebellion, set against God set against God's purposes, set against God's glory. It could quite literally be understood as refusal, refusal to obey the Lord. There are other times, though, in the Exodus account where it says the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and this displays God's complete sovereignty over everyone and everything. God will accomplish his plans and purposes in creation for the display of his magnificent glory. Proverbs 21.1, the king's heart is a stream of water in the hand of the Lord. He turns it wherever he will. So that even Pharaoh, in his sin and rebellion, is not greater than God. And newsflash, neither are any of us. We're not greater than God. But God is sovereign, and he does work his will sovereignly in our lives. But the blessing is to obey, to not have a heavy heart, not have a hardened heart, a heart that's humble and ready to To hear from God's word and to follow and obey. And just in case there was any question about God's sovereignty, Isaiah 46, verse 9. Remember the former things of old. This is the Lord speaking. I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, things not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand and I will accomplish all my purpose calling a bird of prey from the east, a man of my counsel from a far country, I have spoken, I will bring it to pass, I have purposed it, and I will do it. That's the Lord. That's a sovereignty on a level that none of us have. So God prepares his people for revival through readiness to obey his word, through responsiveness to spiritual leadership, and now we get to number three. And we're going to spend the... the, the most, the most of our time here. Number three, with resolve to worship. God prepares his people for re- revival by giving them resolve to worship. Resolve to worship the Lord. And this is really the, the heart of the text that was read this morning from chapter 10. We will go, Moses says, with our young and our old with our sons and our daughters, with our flocks and our herds, for we must hold a feast to the Lord. We're just going to break this down. Letter A. We will be resolved to worship first with our young and our old. It's letter A. All peoples are welcome to worship the Lord. This is fitting for our church family. And everyone fits into one of those two categories. You're either young or old. And don't ask me afterwards. Don't come and Stephen, which one which group do you think I'm in? You're sensible people. Uh, search the scriptures on these things. (laughs) And uh, the Lord leads you by his spirit and by your word. I don't need to answer that for you. Sometimes I don't know what category I fit in myself. So um, but here's the, the good news is this is all this covers everybody, young and old. Part of passionate worship here at Grace is to see all peoples lifting high the name of Jesus Christ. That's the beauty of this sentence. It covers all peoples. Everyone falls into these categories, and that's okay. That's how God made us. Here at Grace, we desire to see all peoples come to know, love, and follow Jesus Christ. This requires us to minister well at every age group. And one of the ways we do this here locally is through our Grace kids. And our effect Student Ministries. Realize we have volunteer servant leaders right now, teachers, gathering in rooms across this building and next door, investing their lives into our children and our students to, to know the Lord and to understand His Word. We're helping our children from the very youngest learn what it means to worship the one true God. That's what we're doing on Sunday mornings. We are worshiping the one true God. And we're Training up our young and our not so young. <laughs> One of the ways we do this with our grace kids is through having a loving and welcoming environment. And that's even true here. That we, we want to welcome people as they come in, to be seated well, to enjoy being here, welcoming, showing love. We value children, we partner with parents, teaching from God's word. That's our vision for worship, it comes from Scripture. And we see all people of all ages becoming wholehearted worshipers of King Jesus the one who is crucified for us and risen for us listen to what moses says in deuteronomy 31 he in moses he says assemble the people assemble men women and little ones and the sojourner within your towns all peoples why that they may hear And learn to fear, that's the word for reverence, worship. Hear and learn to fear the Lord, your God. And be careful to do all the words of this law. And that their children, who have not known it, may hear and learn to fear the Lord, your God. We want all ages to worship. We model this for our children in three ways. And we do this in our, our Grace Kids, and we can do this in our families We do this through, we read the Bible, pray the Bible, sing the Bible. You can do that at home. That's not church exclusive. You can go home today and read the Bible, pray the Bible, sing the Bible. We're focusing here on forming worshipers, discipling our children, our families, and every member, every person here that we have an interaction with, we have influence with, We desire to see disciples formed that follow Jesus. They're passionate worshipers. This is also the Great Commission. Go and make disciples. And we need to remember this. Everyone will be discipled by something or someone. Culture or Christ. And we're resolved here to worship all ages. And that also means we invite as a church... Let's encourage one another to worship. Maybe that means serving with our children. You can do it. We'll train you. It's okay. You can do it. But the, the resolve is, the heart is, whether you're in kids' church or not, you have an influence. If you're a part of this church, you have an influence. And we are helping one another worship. Let her be with our sons and our daughters this is a call for family worship. Revival for, revival for God often begins at home. It begins individual, home, church, community. It expands outwards. Listen to this one, this one uh, promise in Joshua. This is what Joshua said to the people uh, when they were taking uh, the people of Israel as they were coming into the promised land. Uh, team in the back, we're going to jump around, so... Follow with me. Uh, we're going to look at verse five. Uh, jo- uh, Jos- uh, not Joseph. Joshua begins with a summary. Uh, he says here, verse five: I sent Moses and Aaron, and I plagued Egypt with what I did in the midst of it, and afterwards I brought you out. That's the Lord speaking. And I brought your fathers out of Egypt. You came to the sea. The Egyptians pursued your fathers with chariots and horsemen to the Red Sea. When they cried to the Lord for help cried to the Lord, he put darkness between you and the Egyptians, made the sea come upon them, cover them. And your eyes saw what I did in Egypt, and you lived in the wilderness a long time. And we're going to jump down to verse 14. What Joshua's doing is he is, he's, giving, he's explaining for the people again, remember how God rescued you? Remember how God worked among you? In verse 14, now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve. And whether the gods of your fathers served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in the land, in land, whose land you dwell, but resolved, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And this is a call for parents specifically a Christian men, to lead our families well. It starts with us individually being devoted to worship the Lord. And therein it flows from us individually to our families. We set that example. As individuals and families, we're formed this way under Christ, and this spreads to our church and our community. Kevin DeYoung, I read an article from him, and he, he just gave this, this helpful uh, comment he said, one of the ways that, uh, especially as men, to equip us as leaders to lead in our homes is to use the word let's or let us. So guys, we can set the tone just by saying let's. Hey guys, hey fam, don't say that, don't, don't say that, scratch that from the record. Family, let's worship the Lord. Let's open our Bibles. Let's pray together before we eat. And that's, it's as simple, it's as easy as that. It's as easy as that. We can start there. Let's. And maybe your children are grown. Maybe you've not been given children. But as a church family, we all have many children. There's many sons and daughters running around. I see them after church. You know they're around. They're running. We hear them. But that's a good thing. We must remember that as a church family, we have many sons and daughters. Many children, we can give our lives as an investment into the next generation as worship. Our worship today and for the generation coming after us. We offer our lives in worship to the Lord and we help our children know this God whom we worship. Invest your life here with the children that God has given us. With our sons and our daughters, let's let be. Now let her see. Not only with our young and our old, or with our sons and our daughters, but also with our flocks and our herds. Flocks and herds. Does anyone here have any flocks and herds this morning, by show of hands? Um, I want a dog, but that doesn't quite count yet. Sort of. Except it does. Because what Moses is talking about here is he's talking about being faithful stewards. Realize God is the one who owns it all. Psalm 50, For every beast of the forest is mine, says the Lord. The cattle on a thousand hills. I know all the birds of the hills, and all that moves in the field is mine. If you were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world and its fullness are mine, says the Lord. All flocks and herds and all of creation belong to God. As God's people, we are simply to be faithful stewards of God's possessions. It all belongs to Him. What God gives to us in possessions, in finances, in children, He entrusts to us to care for them and to glorify God in thankfulness. Includes our children. Children are a gift from God entrusted to parents to lead them in the way they should go. That's the way of godliness. And you can just jot this one down on the, your margin, Ephesians 6.4. That's what it looks like uh, for families. Matthew Henry, he, he made this comment. Those that serve God must serve him with all they have. That, that's what's meant by this flocks and herds. This is an invitation to worship God with all that we have. Time, talent, and treasure. Gifting the ways that God has gifted you in skills and spiritual gifts. God desires us to worship him in this way. Wholehearted worship. We hold nothing back from the Lord. That's that's what Moses is laying out here for us. A call to worship God that is all-encompassing. But to hold nothing back. Uh, We could even borrow the words of the hymn writer, take my life and let it be, consecrated Lord to thee. That's, That's what's meant here. And, We now come to to summarize, to wrap this all up, is what Moses says here at the end. We must hold a feast to the Lord. That's, That's where the title of the message comes from. We're going to worship. like We must. We're going to hold a feast to the Lord. God alone is worthy of our worship and celebration. He is the joy and delight of our hearts. That's what this word feast here means. It means to celebrate. Is the, the, the context of religious rejoicing is worship before the Lord. And in, in, the, uh, in the cross in the Old Testament, as God gave his law to his people, there's three different kinds of worship feasts that the Lord prescribed for the people of Israel to enjoy. There was the Feast of Weeks, the Feast of Booths, Booths, and the Feast of Passover. Listen to how the Lord describes this kind of feast, this feasting and celebration that the people were to have. This is Deuteronomy 16. You shall count seven weeks. Begin to count the seventh seven weeks from the time of the sickle as first put to the standing grain. Then you shall keep the feast of weeks to the Lord your God with a tribute of free will offering. That's wh- this celebration is tied with sacrifice, giving, serving. These are trip with the tribute of a free will offering from your hand, which you shall give as the Lord your God blesses you. Stewardship. Verse 11, You shall rejoice before the Lord your God, you and your son and your daughter, your male servant and your female servant, the Levite who is within your towns, the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow who are among you, at the place that the Lord your God will choose to make his name dwell there. You shall remember that you were a slave in Egypt and you shall be careful to observe these statutes. This is just one example, but the point is that God intends for us to worship him, not grudgingly, not stubbornly, but joyfully, passionate worship. We must hold a feast to the Lord. Each of these feasts help Israel to remember how great is the Lord and how he saved them. And he redeemed them and rescued them. And do we see how this can even be applied to us right now? That for us to worship, this is is where our passionate worship comes from. We say, great is the Lord. And he saved me. He died, Jesus, he was sent, dying on the cross for my sin and for your sin, for all who would trust in him alone. Christ redeemed me from my sin. He rescued me. And he is doing so among you Or He will do so today when you trust in Him. That's what the Feast of Passover is celebrating. Christ is our Passover Lamb. See, it would take two more plagues in Egypt before Pharaoh would let the people of Israel go. And at the last plague, the Lord commanded the people uh, that the firstborn son would be killed because of sin, because of their sin. Therefore, someone or something needed to cover this judgment, this wrath of God. The people were to take a lamb, a spotless lamb, and kill it and put its blood around the doorpost of the house. And the angel of the Lord, carrying out the judgment of the Lord, would pass over that house if it saw the blood. What Exodus was for the Old Testament, the cross is for us in the New Testament, The day, this, this day, the church age. Christ, the Son of God, Remember, John, John the Baptist called the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. You see, there, there's not going to be any passion or reason for us to worship if we're still in our sins. If we have not experienced the forgiveness and mercy and grace of God through Christ alone, we will never have revival. If we've not first been revived or given new life in Jesus Christ. This is what Peter says in 1 Peter 2. Speaking of Christ, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were straying like sheep, but you've now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. And I have to ask this morning has Christ borne your sins? He has suffered on the cross. He came and lived a sinless life, and he died, and he was buried for three days, and he rose from the dead. But have you trusted in him alone? Has his blood covered your sins this morning? I invite you, I call you, trust in Christ alone. And this is where, this is why Peter would say, by his wounds, by the death of Christ, we're healed. We were astray, but we now, we've returned. And I call us this morning, let us follow Christ, our shepherd. When we worship the Lord, we are ascribing glory and greatness and honor to his name. This is what we're saying. We're saying, thank you. You are worthy. Thank you for forgiving me and saving me and loving me when I was unlovable, totally in sin and lost, dead in my sin. Because we have been greatly loved, we worship. That's the message title. We're going to worship. That's the call. And as God works this kind of worship in us only through the gospel, that's where our hearts are changed, continuing to grow, and experiencing revival. And so we we summarize it this way. We can summarize it this way. God's people will be ready for revival when we're ready to obey the word of the Lord, when we are responsive to spiritual leadership and resolve to worship the Lord. No compromise and no holding back. So, I have some questions as we, we prepare to close. Is there any area in your life, my life, that I'm tempted to compromise on God's word? And what is your next step to grow in worship or obedience to the Lord? As you think about these things, think about these areas. We're going to sing. We're going to continue in worship and let, let these questions settle on our hearts. And you can come talk with us. You can come pray with us. Don't leave today with without asking or answering those questions. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, we give glory to you today because your love is steadfast and enduring. Lord, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for sending Christ to die on the cross in my place, in our place, and in the place of all who would turn from their sin and trust in you. Lord, I pray, I praise you that you have given us this kind of revival in my life, in our church, that we would be ready to obey you, ready to follow after you, ready to worship you alone wholeheartedly. And Lord, I pray that you would continue to work this kind of revival in us today, in me, in me, And as a church, let us just grow in our worship for you. I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you again for listening to Teaching from the Word at Grace Community Church. We are located in Richmond, Michigan. You can find us online at mygracechurch.com please subscribe and follow us at My Grace Church. It would be greatly appreciated if you would take a moment to rate, like, and share this message. We want you to always remember that you are loved.